Ooh, a step further. Welcome back to A Step Further. This past week, what I wanted to do was a message on being temple-minded. I had this direction that I wanted to go, and I had it all planned out. And then Saturday happened, and it totally derailed everything that I wanted to do. And I just felt like the message that I needed to give for Sunday was this message, the message that I actually did end up giving. And I maintain the title Temple-Minded, but it was really about the type of badge that we wear, the type of label that we wear as believers. And that's what I want to dive deeper into is this this idea of are we righteous or are we sinners and, and kind of dive a little bit deeper into the word with it. But <clears throat> I do have one clarification that I need to make. Uh, after my message Sunday, if you listen to it um, or if you were there, I had people come up and ask me, some people asked me, well, was I in an accident over the weekend? No, I was not into, in, in an accident. Uh, some people asked me if I got pulled over, got a speeding ticket or something. Uh, no, I did not do that. The thing that happened Saturday was was a family thing, and um, it was family from Indiana, and uh, I love my family to death. We just got into a a religious debate, and it got heated, and uh, my responses to that were just not good. My delivery was not good, and um, so I didn't handle it correctly, I should say that. Um, I spoke my mind, I spoke my heart. It just, in the heat of the moment, um, that del- and I think we've all been there, where, you know, in the heat of the moment, if we're not walking in the Spirit, we're walking in the flesh, then we get into this, you know, our response time is, is or our responses, rather, are, they're just not good. They're not healthy responses, and they don't do anything to edify the, the conversation. They just kind of are demeaning in the conversation. So that's what happened on Saturday, and we got into this debate about, you know, being a sinner or being righteous if you're a Christian. And <clears throat> I think really after processing that conversation and, I, and reading the Word, trying to understand the Word, knowing what Paul says in the Word um, to, his, to the Romans, and, and again, we talked about Paul on Sunday. When you look at Paul, Paul was a man who was, he was like the Pharisee among Pharisees. He was um, this guy who he knew the letter of the law to a T. He was somebody who would teach the law. And and anybody that kind of got in the way of that, um, you know, the letter of the law, this that person was a radical or they were a heretic in his mind. And, and so Jesus, who really was the word made flesh, Jesus... Jesus was somebody who he couldn't comprehend, he couldn't understand it because it didn't match up with what he believed. And so it was only until he was on the road to Damascus and this blinding light hit him, and literally blinding because he went blind for a few days. And Jesus began to talk to him and he began to minister to him in that time and and to not only ask him questions, but to reveal things to him. And so Paul understanding now what exactly the whole of the Old Testament, as we call it, was all about, to know that um, that it all points to this Messiah, this Jesus. And, and so 
now he has a better understanding, you know, going, okay, it's not about the, this is what the law is all about. And this is really what, what salvation and grace and mercy and all that are all about. And with that in mind, the definition of sinner versus the definition of a righteous man, uh, we need to have that understanding of what God views as a sinner, what God views as a righteous man, according to the word. So, and for that, you, you have to go back to Romans, um, because I think what happens is we wear the wrong label, and that was the premise of, of my message. So if you didn't hear the message, I would definitely challenge you to pause this, go back and listen to the message. Um, if you don't want to, then I will pose this question to you, and this is probably what got me in trouble thinking um, with people thinking that I got a speeding ticket or was in an accident. Uh, but my question is, have you broken the law? Like, have you gone over the speed limit? Have you driven without a seatbelt? Or have you, um, you know, simple things? Have you have you broken the law in, in even the most minor of ways? And really, if you're honest with yourself, yeah, yeah, I have. I, yeah, I've broken the law. I, you know, I went over the speed limit, or there was a time for a little bit that I didn't wear my seatbelt, um, you know, because... I wasn't going very far or whatever. So did I break the law? Yeah, I did. Did I get caught? No. But did I break the law? Yeah. Well, by definition, that's a crime. And so therefore, uh, I should be walking around going, well, I'm a criminal because I committed a crime because, you know, but I don't do that. And, And likely you don't do that as well. You don't walk around going, well, I'm a criminal because I, you know, Two days ago, I didn't wear my seatbelt, or or this morning when I went to work, you know, I w- drove seven miles over the speed limit. Oh, really? Did you get caught? Well, no, but I I did break the law, and and so I'm a criminal. No, we don't do that. We don't walk around doing that. Well, it's the same way with sin. If you're made righteous, so the Bible says in. In Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But the sad part is, is we wear the badge of the old. Well, I'm a sinner. I'm saved, but I'm a sinner. Well, maybe you're not a sinner. Maybe you are made righteous. And I want to tell you why you can take the badge of sinner off. Not because you haven't sinned or aren't going to sin in the future, right? Again, I ask you, have you broken the law? And if you're honest with yourself and said yes, then you don't walk around calling yourself a criminal. So when you do sin, if you are somebody who is a believer and you're, you're righteous, you know, and, and you know that you've been saved, that you are saved, then my question to you is, when you go around and, and when you have sinned, when you have broken the law, do you call yourself, why do you call yourself a sinner? Uh, and, and, and again, it's in parallel to the idea of if you've broken the law of the land, you don't go around calling yourself a criminal, even though technically by definition you are. So if we believe uh, that the word of God is true, he says that therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Uh, the old is gone and the new has come. I want to take you to Romans. Romans is is a great book to study. And I want to take you to chapter 1, and I want to take you to the 16th verse. 
And it says this, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's by the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. We're going to stop there. We're going to break it down. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In other words, I'm not ashamed of the good news. And I'm going to look this up. The uh, I don't even know how to pronounce the Greek word, but it, it's it means a good message. So the good news, the gospel of Christ is the good news, um, good tidings. So in the Hebrew, the word gospel is besorah, and that means the same thing. It means good news. So for I am not ashamed of the good news for the, for the, of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So the gospel, the good news, is the power of God for salvation. And the gospel is this, that Jesus came, he lived, he died, on the cross for your sins, so that if if you believe in him, Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you believe and confess that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that he He is Lord, if if you can, uh, let me get there. I'm going to, I do this some, from time to time, Romans 10, 9, and 10, uh, I do this from time to time, get messed up. So it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. So, and, and then we'll go back to Romans 1 again. And Romans 1, verse 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, and then also to the Greek or the Gentiles or the non-Jew. For in it, he says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So again, what does that mean? It means Romans 10, 9, and 10. It means that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, that I'll be saved. So by confessing that Jesus is Lord, he is my Lord. He's not just a Lord, but he is my Lord. I'm confessing that he's my Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. So in other words, he went to the cross, he took my sins to the cross, but he conquered death, meaning he took the consequence of, of, of my sin to the cross, but yet conquered it. He gained victory over it. So therefore, the consequence for my sin, or the, the penalty for my sin, rather, is is has been taken to the cross, it's been gained victory, and that could only happen if God raised him from the dead. So he conquered death, uh, and and I believe that. So then I will be saved. He says, "For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness." Now, here's the difference between a righteous person and a sinner: that when I become in, when I become uh, a Christian, or when I become saved, or when I become a believer, that my heart is now aimed towards. Jesus. My my heart is not aimed towards Christ. Therefore, my heart is no longer in the world. Like my heart isn't to to live of the world and and live in in a manner that's worldly because that stuff just doesn't appeal to me anymore. Uh, and, and the reason it doesn't appeal to me is because I love Jesus. And Jesus has a little different thing going on with with life. You know, he he says this over here, and because I'm aligning myself with Jesus. Uh, and I love Jesus, he's kind of given me a heart for those things over there. Therefore, I'm made righteous. Now, do I fail? 
Yeah, a righteous man falls. The Bible says in Proverbs, for though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises up again, but the wicked fall into calamity. I believe, and let me look that up real quick. Um, I believe that it's in Proverbs 24. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but it just, it, it says, maybe I'm thinking of, uh, by wisdom, a house is built and by understanding it's established by knowledge. The rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Yeah. Maybe that's where I'm thinking of, um, Proverbs 34. Uh, but, it, but the, uh, oh no, it is Proverbs 24 verse 16. My bad for a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of calamity. So, a righteous man can fall, a righteous man can stumble, right? But he rises up again. Why does he rise up again? He has a heart for, for Jesus. And and he says, but the wicked fall into calamity. The wicked are the sinners. It's the person that says, I I want to I want to partake in the things of the world. I love the things of the world, the sins of the world, all of us. And you say, why would anybody say that? But yet we do. We have a heart for that. Um, we have a heart to be greedy. We have a heart for lust. We have a heart for um, all kinds of things that, that the Bible calls sin. We have a heart for those if we're not hooked up over here. And so Jesus is saying um, that what makes you righteous, or Paul, I should say Paul is saying in Romans, that what makes you righteous is the belief in the power of the gospel. So by believing by confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead, that's the power of the gospel right there. And a righteous man shall live by faith. Therefore, I am no longer a sinner. I am no longer, I no longer have that label. And listen, this whole thing, and, and this is going to be my proof here for the, for the foundation of this whole thing, is that when you read in the Old Testament that all God wants, th- this is it. All God wants is He wants to have your heart. He, he wants you to have a heart for Him, and He wants you to chase after Him with all your heart. So Jesus was asked, well, what's the greatest commandment? And He says, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole of Torah right there. Now, I don't know about you, but I want love. Like, the foundation of who I am, I want that to be love. You know, and I think the world in general, if you were to ask people in general, I think that their main goal and their main objective is love. How they reach that point is is where we differ. Um, some define love as, as this over here, and some define love as this over here. Um, but I believe that when you truly love, it, love is such a selfless, action like like when you fall in love with somebody um especially men when you truly fall in love with somebody uh you would do anything for them and and you would you would go to the ends of the earth for them and and that sounds so freaking cliche but it's true uh you would want to go to the ends of the even though you couldn't you you'd try to climb the highest mountain if it meant showing your love for this person you would you would try to do whatever you could and you would make sacrifices and and do all these things for that person that you're in love with. That's men especially tend to do that. Um, and and I can only say that because I am 
um, I'm a man and, and I don't, I don't understand, I don't pretend to understand a woman's response, I guess. So, um, you know, women, you can help me out with this, but, um, truthfully speaking though, we have this, this mindset that when we're truly in love with somebody, we would, we, it's a selfless notion. We want to go out and we want to do whatever we can for that person. Well, that's what God wants. And that's why he sent Jesus. That's why God wanted to come to this earth. He wanted to experience life the way that we experience life from birth to death, to be able to experience life the way that we experience life and to experience the temptations and all that, the way that we experience the temptations. Why would he even want to do that? I mean, he could have just come down, lived for a year as a man, and then went to the cross, died for our sins and all that stuff. Instead, he came to live among us, to tabernacle among us. Why would he want to do that? And why would he himself want to make the ultimate sacrifice? Because he would do anything for us. That's the kind of God that we serve. He, would, he wants to pursue you and do anything for you. What he's asking for in return is that you would love him with all your heart. That you would, you would chase after him the way that he is chasing after you. That's what he wants from us. Well, that makes us, if we have a heart to do that, that makes us righteous. Right? The Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, and um, they're plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And we love that statement. We love that Bible verse. We use it all the time. We take it way out of context, and, and we use it all the time. And yet, when we put it into context, it provides a little bit of a different story. If we go back and read Jeremiah 29, and I'm going to go there real quick, uh, because I want to make sure that I'm saying this right. So we go to Jeremiah 29, and, and again, we have verse 11, but let's put it in context with, we'll go from verse 10, and we'll go to verse 14. Let's say that. So Jeremiah 29 verse 10 says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then, he says, you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. Catch this. You will seek me and find me when you search for me, with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. So what he's saying is, is I know the plans that I have for you, and, and I want to prosper you. They're plans for welfare, not calamity. I want to give you a future, and I want to give you a hope. And I want to, when I visit you and I let you... Uh, I let you find me. It's because you have found me or you have searched for me with all your heart. And that's how you're going to find me is when you, when, you, when you start to search for me wholeheartedly, then I'll let you find me. And that's how we are with people. I mean, if you think about it, think about your best friend. If, if there's any sort of trust that's, that's destroyed between you and your best friend or between you and your partner, you know, you and your spouse, uh, you and, a, and your boyfriend or girlfriend, when you think about 
that if, if a trust is betrayed, then what happens? What happens to that relationship? Well, in the immediate, there's a part of you that closes off and you don't want to let anybody else in who could potentially destroy some trust. Even if it's a minor thing, you begin to go, no, I, I need to close myself off to this for the moment. I need to, you don't get full access right now. But if, if that relationship is restored and you seek each other wholeheartedly and you rebuild that trust, what happens? Well, then you start to open up again. And as you begin to open up, then you seek each other wholeheartedly and you find each other wholeheartedly. And, and through that, then your relationship grows even more. It's the same with God and us. God wants to restore us, and he, he has plans of prosperity. And I don't mean worldly prosperity, but, but I mean, he, he wants to provide for you. He, wants, he has a hope and a future for you. He has a purpose for you. Uh, but he says, you have to seek me wholeheartedly. Man, I have given so much. I've given my whole heart to you, and all I want is your heart in return. So that's what makes us a righteous person, is to say, we accept what you have given. We accept the love that you have given us, Lord, through Jesus, uh, that, that you visited us, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So you, through Jesus, have visited us. You came to live among us. You came to experience life with us so that you could live and then die and take upon our sins, the consequences of our sin, the penalty for our sin, so that if we would just hook up with you, then we would have an everlasting life in paradise with you, an eternity with you, Lord, where all things good take place, right? That's what that's what that's all about. And we think that we have to have it all right. We think that we have to have it down to the letter of the law, uh, we have to be perfect in God's sight, you know, by our own works. And that is not what I'm saying. Are you okay in your sin? No. Uh, the power of the gospel should change us. It should make us want to be better people. Are we going to fail? Yes. But that does not make me a sinner. It makes me a righteous man who falls seven times and gets back up again. If I was a sinner, I would say, I don't care about being righteous. I want to be this over here, and I want to partake in the sins of the world. I want to not be a better person. I want to, I want to continue on the way that I'm continuing on. And, and even though it's not working for me, my happiness is temporary, and I'm learning that I have probably more worries and anxieties than, than I would if I were to actually become a better person and, and really accept the love that God has given me and, and try to, Try to accept that and, and chase after that with my heart. Look, David was a man after God's own heart. We know that. Yet in the midst of that, God recognized that long before David ever committed adultery, before he ever had a man killed so that he could call his wife, so he could call that man's wife his own wife. You know? So David did some pretty stupid things. And yet God still said, this guy is a man after my own heart. He's a righteous man. He's not a sinner. Well, why is that? Not because he hasn't sinned, but because he really has a heart for me. And that's what God calls righteous. Somebody who has a heart who is chasing after the things of me. Me being God and Jesus, not me being me, uh, because that would be bad too. Anyway, we're not going to go down that road. Uh, but the point is this. That in order to be called righteous, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. 
The new has come. We need that label change. But so the key word in it, in this whole thing is repentance. And repentance literally is, is a changing of the mind. We think that repentance means, well, we got to fix the problem. And we're gonna, first we got to say we're sorry. And then we got to fix the problem. And if we ever stumble or fall again, then we never truly repented and, and you know, whatever, so on and so forth. But the idea is repentance literally isn't, isn't making it 100% right. The idea of repentance is changing your heart about what you've done. So recognizing that what you've done is a sin and that you don't want to be over there and do that thing again. You know, it's kind of like lying. There are people out there who are pathological liars. We, we recognize them. We have them in our lives, I'm sure. You could probably name somebody who is a pathological liar. You could, and I'm not calling people out, but I'm just saying that that's a thing that's out there. They don't have a heart to, to see uh, that they are lying and that it's wrong and that it's hurtful and that it's destructive. They don't, they don't care about that. They want they, they're interested in living in that place. Okay, well, only when they change their mind about that and realize, oh my gosh, that's hurtful, that's destructive, and I don't want to be that person anymore, can they change? Right? That's the only way. Well, how does that repentance come? Again, we recognize the power of the gospel, Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. And it, it goes on to say, so uh, a righteous man shall live by faith. Well, what faith? Well, faith in the gospel. Uh, go back to verse 16 in, in chapter 1. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. So the righteousness of God is revealed in the, the gospel. Whereas, by the way, uh, the law, the Torah, which is perfect, but the, the law reveals that we're sinners because we can't keep the letter of the law. We're not good enough to keep the letter of the law. And that's the whole premise. We need help. You know, we need God to lead us through it. And therefore, he says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And in, in, we're talking about the, the um, gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it's written, the righteous man shall live by faith. For the wrath of God, this is verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them so this is why it's important for believers to spread that gospel the power of that gospel is that the righteousness of God is revealed that the good news of God is revealed and if we're not spreading that gospel, then, then we're suppressing that truth. And this is what he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within him. Would you not feel bad if somebody you knew uh, ended up going to hell because they didn't know the good news? That would, wow, like that's piercing, and 
So it's important that that gospel gets spread. It's important that that people can see that I'm not I'm not a righteous person by my own accord. It's the power of God that does that makes me righteous. So I'm not not calling myself a sinner because of my own works. Because by my own works, by my own actions, I am a sinner. But because I'm in Christ, I've been made a new creation, and now I'm I'm made righteous. God sees me as righteousness, and I've changed my mind. I have this repentance, I've changed my mind about about um, sin over there. So therefore, now I have a heart for God, and I want to chase after God and Jesus, and and not chase after that sin that stuff over there. Will I fall again? Yeah. Uh, let me ask you again: Who broke the law this past weekend? Okay. And do you still walk around calling yourself a criminal? Well, I'm not going to call myself a criminal unless I get caught. Then the whole world's going to call me a criminal. My mugshot's going to be in the newspaper, or my name's going to be in the notes uh, of of the police reports or whatever, you know, however that works. Um, Then I'll be called criminal, and some people, their crime will stick with them for the rest of their life, it seems, because the whole world will call somebody who has committed a major crime, they will call them a criminal. You're a murderer. If you murder somebody, even if you've asked for forgiveness, even if you've repented, you know, you changed your mind and you said, murder is wrong. Uh, it's not something I ever want to do again. Did I kill a man? You know, whatever. Yes. The whole world doesn't see that way. They see that you committed a murder and that murder sticks with you the rest of your life. So you're called a criminal by the world's standards, but you're not called a criminal by God's standards. And he's saying, Jesus went to the cross to set you free from that. He set you free from those labels, and so we're not meant to carry these labels. And when I have the label of righteousness, then when I do fall and I do sin, it should break my heart. That's why with this whole thing with my family on Saturday, my deliverance and how I responded in the midst of this debate was not good, and it broke my heart. If if anything, I was mad in the moment. But the legacy of that conversation was was essentially this message that I'm giving you and also the fact that I left with a broken heart, not because of what they said to me or how they hurt me and, and how it got personal uh, with, with me, but more so how I responded as a believer. It broke my heart. It literally broke my heart because I responded in the way that I did, and it was not godly the way that I responded. So... My point to you in saying that is, I'm a righteous man not because of my own works, but because of the work of Jesus in my life. And it broke my heart, and and sin should break my heart. When I do trip up, when I fall or fail, it does cause me. It causes me to break my heart. Like I literally go away, and I'm like, oh man, I really screwed up, and and it affects me. You can ask. Um, you can ask my mom who was with me during that. You can ask her what that did to me. And she, she could see it. So it was there. Uh, repentance is the changing of the mind. And that's what the key of, of this whole thing is to repent, to change your mind, to say, I'm not going in that direction anymore. Uh, my closing scripture Sunday was this, and I'm going to close out this message with the same scripture. And it was in Matthew um, this rich young man comes up to Jesus and he asks him, he says, what, what am I lacking to, to get into the kingdom of heaven? What am I lacking? Jesus says, or what good thing am I lacking? He says, well, what do you mean? There's only one good thing or one who is good and that's God. 
And he says, so keep the commandments. Well, what do you mean by keep the commandments? And he says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, you know, uh, love your neighbor, uh, don't steal. And he went down the list. And the man says, but I, I keep these things. So my question to you is, was that man a sinner? Well, by definition, if he's keeping the law, he's not a sinner. But yet Jesus goes on to say, okay, well then sell your possessions and come follow me and store up your treasures in heaven instead of on this earth. Now, this man owned a lot. He was a rich man, and he had a lot that he owned, and he was young, so he was getting started off, and he had a lot. It's not like he had a limited amount of life left. It's, it's, he saw this whole life ahead of him, and um, now he's going to have to give it up. And he walked away dejected, and Jesus said, you know, truly I say to you, it's, it's super hard for a rich man to get into heaven. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. And they said, well, geez, if that's the case, then who can be saved? His disciples say this. Well, if that's the case, who can be saved? And Jesus says, well, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So Jesus did two things here. He, he first of all, he revealed the the selfishness of the man. So that man went on and he goes, well, I keep the law. I do these things. I, I keep the letter of the law. So by that definition, I should enter into the kingdom of heaven. So I am not a sinner. Well, then Jesus reveals his heart to show that, yeah, truly he's not a righteous person. Uh, so what is he chasing after? And so he reveals his heart by saying, well, then that's fine. Sell your possessions and come follow me. And the man's going, but I've got a lot of things. You know, I've got, I've got all of these these worldly things that I'm, I'm involved in, and, and these are the things that I've worked my whole life for. Some of us, we work our whole life for treasures that are here on earth. And even King Solomon back in the day said, "It's all futile. You're going to leave it behind anyway. So it's all futile. Somebody else takes reaps the benefits of what you worked your whole life for." So it ends up going to somebody else anyway, and and you leave all that behind. So this man, he found it hard to really let go of it now and and to be willing to say, yes, well, I'm going to have a heart for the work that, the God, that God is doing, that the Lord is doing, instead of, yeah, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to chase after these things in life. And that's where it got personal even on that Saturday because... It, it, the question got brought up as to if you were really truly Christian, wouldn't you give up your car? Or, you know, why would you be so consumed consumed with getting a new car or having uh, a lot of money or whatever? And it's a valid question, except for you know, in my own personal journey, there's a lot that I have given up to follow Jesus. Uh, a lot of things that I didn't want to give up, but I did to follow Jesus, and. Um, that came into question as well. And that's where I lost my cool because it became very personal. And and I'm very passionate to say that I have given up some things to follow Jesus. It doesn't make me, you know, again, it doesn't make me righteous. But I hope, I hope and pray that God sees my heart in the matter and says, 
you know you were willing and and you did it you answered the call and here you are um again there were some things i didn't want to do um it's hard when you you have um when you have different things going on different elements going on in your life and you say well I, if i could just you know i could just keep this job over here and still do ministry and if i keep this job over here i'll have enough money to pay off bills and then i'll i'll feel a little bit more secure in my finances and whatever else and and you know maybe pay off debt or whatever and i don't god's going no you you don't that's not it that this isn't about you being comfortable this is about you giving up and accepting the call and and knowing that I'm going to provide for you. Even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of transition, even in the midst of whatever, I am going to provide for you. He says, if you seek after me and seek after me wholeheartedly, I'm going to let you find me. And he says, and I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not harm you, to give you a future and a hope. So therefore, I would rather be in Christ and I would rather repent from the, the way of the world and to really align myself with Jesus, knowing that he's, he is going to provide for me and he's going to bring me through. And when my enemies say, well, where is your God now? Or where is your Jesus now? That he is going to pull through and, and he's going to reveal himself mightily uh, through what he's going to do in my life. And it's his work and his work only. And I can't take the credit for it. The only thing that I can say is I'm surrendering. And that's what I'm supposed to do. So my charge to you is this. Are you a sinner or are you righteous? And if you are a sinner and you say, but I want to be righteous, well, then I pray that right now what you would do is that you would ask the Lord and just say, Lord, I want to seek you and I want to seek you wholeheartedly. Show me what it means to be righteous. Show me what it means to no longer be a sinner. I want to have a relationship with you. What must I do? How can I? And and invite Jesus to come into your heart. If that's what needs to happen, invite Jesus to come into your heart. You know, if you're going, I don't know that I know Jesus, then invite him and say, Lord, I, Jesus, I want you to be in my heart. I want to know you. I, Jason talks about, I listen to his podcast, and he talks about this relationship with you and how you love us and so on and so forth. Well, if that's true, then sh- please show yourself to me. I want to know. I want to see. I want to experience your love. And I pray that he would answer you in that moment. And when you're really, truly ready to accept him, I pray that he would answer you in that moment and and say, you know, yes, okay, and show you that love. And from there, I think that he will lead you. It's not going to be peaches and cream again. I've, I've said that in the past. It's not going to be this real easy path. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be trials. Are you going to slip and fall? Heck yes. I slip and fall. Because I'm human. But to really have a heart for what is right and what is true and just versus what is worldly, temporary, things that, that, only, that only can help me out in the flesh and, and, and can, can soothe or ease my flesh desire or whatever, um, to change my mind from that and to have a heart for the things that are good and true and eternal. Uh, that's my prayer for you. And so that's my charge to you. Are you a sinner or are you righteous? And how is God speaking to you today? Uh, 
I would love to hear from you. If you want to come on a Sunday, I would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 930. If you can't come, we're doing Facebook Live and YouTube. I think we actually got it fixed, so hopefully um, those will be streaming each week. And um, yeah, if you can't watch them on Sunday morning, they'll they'll be there for you to go back and watch them again. And then, of course, uh, we have these podcasts here. So thank you for listening and thanks for the support. And, you know, even if you're just listening, even if you're just going, yeah, I'm not a Christian, but I want to see what you're talking about. I want to see what you're all about. Um, then I just give that to you. And, and I thank you for supporting me in that even. And I pray that God speaks to you in some way, shape or form. I love you so much. And I can't wait to hear from you.